Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. If you have your word, um, we are in a series called Psalms of Summer, uh, taking a psalm each Sunday and breaking that down, kind of seeing what God wants to say to us through it. Um, Today, Psalms of Summer is Psalm 78, kind of right in the middle of the Psalms. There's 151 Psalms. 78 is today. Um, it has 71 verses, verses, so don't be alarmed. I'm not going verse to verse. You'll be here a while if we did that. Um, but it's rich. Um, it's got a lot to say to us. So next Sunday... Uh, we, we will do baptism and communion next Sunday. Uh, beautiful time for the church. Uh, but, but Psalm 78, um, it kind of fits that. And I kind of want to set up next Sunday a little bit this Sunday. But, but, I don't, I, but it's kind of twofold. So I want you to listen to Psalm 78. 70, Psalm 78 categorizes uh, basically the faithfulness of God to the Israelites. I want to stop there for a second because there's a mindset today that we're not Israel and we are. We are the children of God. We have been adopted. We are joint heirs. We have been grafted into in John 15. He's coming back to get the bride, the church, Israel. When he comes back, I bet you say then you're Israel. <laughs> you're Israel. Don't separate the two. We are that. We're his kids. We're his kids. We're Israel. It reads, Psalm 78, it reads like a history lesson. But embedded in it is a warning. Here's the warning. Do not forget the works of God. Do not forget the works of God. When you hear that, for me, I'm immediately drawn to Calvary, to the cross. Don't forget the works of God. But when you think about that, you can't help but think about the days leading up to that. The days leading up to the crucifixion of, of Jesus on a cross called Calvary, uh, what he does those days leading up paints a picture for all of us, myself included, of how to handle, how to walk through pain and disappointment. So I want to go there before we jump into 78. Because the cross is a vertical cross between me and God, but it is so much a vertical cross. The arms of that cross are very much, a part, very much important, the horizontal part. And that today is, it's me and God, but
But you cannot get there without the intersection of me and others. You can't get there. So I have some points I want you to ponder. Number one is this. Jesus knew that Peter would deny him. Jesus knew that. Deny, the state of one's refusal to admit the truth of existence of. Deny means to reject or to ignore. Jesus knew that the night before, at the Lord's Supper, at the Last Supper, he knew Peter was going to deny him. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been denied, looked over, ignored, rejected? How'd that feel? How'd you handle that? Jesus teaches us that. Secondly, Jesus knew his disciples would abandon him, his closest friends. Ceased to support him. They didn't look after him. They gave him up completely. They deserted him. They left him. They disowned him. You ever had friends, quote, disown you? Just abandon you? You ever had a friendship that went south? It hurts. It hurts a lot. Jesus did too. Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him. To expose to danger by intentionally giving information to the enemy. To be disloyal to, to be unfaithful to. You ever been there? How'd that feel? How'd you handle that? You ever been denied, rejected, abandoned, betrayed? All of us have. But Jesus, going through all of that, all those circumstances happened to him. He still sat down, and he had a meal with every one of them. And then he shared communion. I want you to go before we, I know you might have been in 78. Keep your finger there. Go to 1 Corinthians 11. I want you to see this first because I, you've got to see this before we jump to 78. Okay? Go to 1 Corinthians 11. Look at 23 and 24. 1 Corinthians 11, 23, 24. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took a cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus took the bread and he took the cup with the same individuals that would, but that would abandon him, would, would, would reject him, would betray him, and he said he gave thanks to the Father, and he broke bread with him. Amen. That's just radically crazy. If I know Paxton has betrayed me, do I bring Paxton into my office and say, thank you, Father. 
So thankful he was disloyal. Just feels good. All the years. And he was so disloyal to me. He stole from me. He lied about me. He sold me out. Paxton, brother, I, I love you. Let's take the bread. I'll take the bread. This represents his body that he broke for us. This is his. Take the juice. This is the blood. Represents the blood Jesus shed for us. Could you do that? That would be hard. That, that's asking a lot. But Jesus modeled that for us. He just modeled it. People always want to say this statement. I'm going to be like Jesus. <laughs> do you know what you just said? Well, I just want to be like Jesus. Okay. Go get the guy that betrayed you and y'all have communion. Well, I don't want to be that much like Jesus. <laughs> That's pushing it, preacher. That's kind of radical, don't you think? He had a radical love for us, if you hadn't checked that out. Jesus paid an ultimate sacrifice so I could be free, so I could be whole. If something or someone is threatening that, it's not from the Lord. It's just not from the Lord. I want you to go to Psalm 78. I know that's a heavy intro to set this up, but, I, but you can't. I want you to keep the, the mindset of what 78 is. It is a, a history lesson to the children of Israel, but it embedded is a warning that says, don't forget the works of God. Go to Psalm 78. Verse 1 says this, Oh, my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable, and I will utter hidden things to you from the old. What we have heard and know, what our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from the children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. His power and his wonders he has done. He declares statutes to Jacob, established the law of Israel, which he commands our forefathers to teach their children. So the next generation would know them. Even the children yet born, they, will, they in turn will tell their children. Then they, will put, they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but keep his commands. They would not be like their forefathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts are not loyal to God, whose spirits were unfaithful to him. I'll stop there and we'll cover some more. This is the embedded warning to the children of Israel. This is the embedded warning to us. The works of God, what God's done to each generation, to model that, so they model that, so they model that, so they model that. So we're not like a stubborn generation. When we look at verse 7, verse 7 is kind of a, a benchmark here. He connects in verse 7 the connection between memory, trust, and obedience. The New American Standard says this. Listen to these words. That they should put their confidence in God 
Not forget the works of God, but keep his commands. Dwelling on the goodness of God, continually reminding ourselves his faithfulness and his promises are the building blocks to trust. See, we say, I trust God. Do you really trust God? Because when you constantly remind yourself of his goodness, his faithfulness, and his promises, those build trust. But oh, whoa, if we forget his faithfulness, if we forget his goodness, we run the risk of not trusting God. We've got to continually remind ourselves of the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God. The goodness of God. Because if we don't, verse 8 will come. He uses words, a stubborn and rebellious generation. He details many times that the Lord turned from, that, that people turned from the Lord and just how poorly that worked out for them. A glimpse at what's at stake if we choose to not actively remember. Today, if you want a New Testament, it's Romans 1. Romans, word, Romans 1 has very chilling words. God says in Romans 1 that he gave them over to themselves. Mm, that hurts. That hurts. Here's all that God did for the people of Israel. All that he did, dropped manna from heaven. Parted Red Sea, walked through it. He led them by cloud by night. I mean, a cloud by day and a fire by night. All that he did. And then they got stubborn and rebelled. And he keeps reminding them, don't forget what I've done for you. Don't forget my goodness. Don't forget my faithfulness. Because if you do, you're going to get hard. You're going to get hard. Same is true of us. The greatest weapon the enemy has on the believer is short-term memory loss. You forget what he carried you to and through. You, if you forget that, you'll find yourself griping and complaining and barking at God because he ain't showed up yet. He may be there right there. He may be right there now. But before he takes you through another, he wants to turn your heart from a calloused heart to a heart that's his. Amen. Don't get hard is what he's telling us. Don't forget what God's done for us. Don't forget. I want you to look down to verse 22. For they did not believe in God or trust in his deliverance. They did not trust in his deliverance. I want you to hear verse 22. This is out of the Passion Translation. If you're looking for a really cool Bible to take into a quiet time time, there's the message, which reads real practical. The Passion is just what it says. It's a love letter. It's the passion of his love, his radical, crazy love for you. It's written that way. I want you to listen to verse 22 out of the passion. For they turned away 
from faith and walked in fear. See, some people have hang-ups about faith, but I'm going to tell you something. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's just impossible. So either you're walking in faith or you're walking in fear, or maybe you're not walking at all because you're in fear. They failed to trust in his power to help them when he was near. That, listen to what he's saying. They, they failed to trust the one who's near. Because of short-term memory loss, he was there with them, but they had gotten so stubborn and hard and forgot God's goodness and faithfulness, they didn't even trust in him, and he was near. He was right by them. He was right with them. These are very real consequences to our forgetting who God is. Very real. Very real. I want you to listen to verse 60 and 61, and then we're going to go back up a little bit. 60 and 61 says, He abandoned the tabernacle of Shiloh and the tent he had set up among men. And he sent them, he sent the ark of his might into captivity, his splendor into the hands of the enemy. I want you to listen again out of the, trans, out of the passion. God walked away from them, left his dwelling place as Shiloh, abandoning the place where he had lived among them, allowing the emblem of strength, his glory art, to be captured. Enemies stole the very source of Israel's power. That is a chilling statement. Enemies stole the very source of Israel's power. Hmm. I'm going to say it like this. In communion, there is the bread that represents his body and the blood that represents, the juice that represents his blood. There is enormous power in communion. Enormous power in communion. The power in communion, the power of the bread that represents his body and the wine that represents the power of his blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There is no freedom of sin. There is no breaking of bondage for people. There is no power. The enemy, for many believers today, have stolen the power of the blood. There is still power in the blood today. There is. Has that ever happened to you? You go through times and you're like, man, I know, I just, I just can't keep going. I'm out of, I'm burned, I'm out of juice, I'm, I'm dead, I'm done. And you hear, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that raised you. And you're like, yeah, but I don't have no power. I just feel beat down. I just feel dead. 
Blood has power. It may be happening to you right now in a relationship. Some of you might be thinking, well, we're under a new covenant now, preacher. God's promised he'd never remove his presence from us. See, he says the ark, he took it away. The ark in the Old Testament represents the presence of God. And under the new covenant, he said, I'll never leave you. But folks, we're under the same choice. We can do things in our lives that remove us from the presence of God. We can. I want you to go back to verse 32. I'm going to put a bow on this for you in just a little bit. Go to verse 32. This is verse 32 NIV. In spite of all this, they kept on sinning. In spite of his wonders, they did not believe. Mm. Just let that land a little bit. In spite of all this, they kept on sinning. In spite of his wonders, they did not believe. Look at verse 32. I'm going to read it to you again out of the Passion. Yet in spite of all this, they kept right on sinning. Even when they saw God's marvels, they refused to believe God could care for them. Kind of sounds like this today. Will he take care of me? Will he provide for me? Is his blood enough for what I'm going through? You see, 32, the psalmist describes an all-too-familiar heart issue. Will we remember and trust God's love for us, or will we turn to fear and fending for ourselves? You see, each time, each time, we take communion, we testify to the enormous, radical love of God. Every time. We sing an old hymn. There's power, power in the blood of Jesus. There's power, power in the wondrous working power of the precious blood of Jesus. Can I help you with something today? The blood of Calvary is still wet today. There's still power in the blood today. And the power of the, of the blood of Jesus that cleanses us and saves us and makes us white as snow, yes, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is the power of salvation to raise one dead and wretched sinner, raise them up to life in Christ. But I'll tell you this. That ain't the only thing the power of the blood does today. The power of the blood still frees people, still sets them free, still breaks chains, still breaks bondages, breaks addictions, still sets people captives free, man. It still does that. And every time we take communion, we enter into a time that says, I know that your body was broken for me. And this bread represents it. And this little wine that I'm drinking is your blood. It's a symbolism of your blood, your power that sets me free. Sets me free. There is power in communion. There is power, church, in not forgetting the things of God. 
not forgetting the works of God. So listen to me, church. Here's what I'm saying. I grew up not understanding the power of communion. Just the truth. I shrank communion down to a religious ritual that was done at church by men that dressed in suits and prayed the same prayer every time. Stale bread and a little thing of juice that I used to knock my brother's elbow to see if he'd spill his juice before I could spill my juice. That was communion. It was. And I'm sorry for that. And I've been repenting of that for a long time. But communion is powerful. Because when we enter a time like this of communion, like we'll do next week, communion helps us remember what he did for us. It says, do this in remembrance of him. Do this in remembrance of him. The same Jesus that sat at the last meal with people that would betray him, abandon him, and deny him. And he said, here's my bread. Here's the wine. Look Judas in the eye and served him. And let me take it a little bit further. He didn't just serve him communion. He later washed their feet. You want to know how to handle relationships? There it is. He said, no, I'm good, preacher. Let's just take communion, and I'll just thank God for his forgiveness, but I ain't giving it to nobody else. Because what they did is too much to forgive. And they need to come to me. I'm not going to them. Oh, like I did? Oh, yeah, that's right. I waited on Judas to come to me. Yeah, I waited on Peter. I waited on all 12 of my disciples to come to me and say, sorry, we abandoned you. Jesus went to them first. What if the person that you have ought with, that maybe sold you out, abandoned you, denied you, betrayed you, even in marriage, what if, what if that relationship has more power over you than you thought? That every time we go into worship, you can't really worship because you keep seeing them. That's God's reminder of saying, why don't you go take communion with them and let them go? I did. If we understood the power that coming together over bread and juice did, we'd do it more often. If marriages understood the fact that that tension that's in our home between husband and wife is not pleasing to God. We're not called to rent and be renters. We're not called just to pass like two ships a night. We're called to be one flesh, and the reason we can't be one flesh is because we've got problems. But Jesus had problems. He brought his problems into communion. And husbands and wives come together after 20 years of marriage, 25, 40, 65 years of marriage, and say, let's take communion together, honey. And then they do it. Can I tell you something? I hold that lady right there in my arms. We take communion a lot. I hold the bread that represents his body and the wine that represents his juice. It's really hard for me to be mean to her after that. And it's really hard for me to hold on to all that stuff. 
Bring your children into that. Your kid can't sleep in his room because of nightmares. You think nightmares are from God? Why don't you take communion in there and break the curse? Why don't you change the atmosphere in the room? Why don't you let that penetrate the walls instead of all that other junk? You buy a new house, you move in, you think, oh, this is going to be a great house. You don't know what lived there before. Why don't you claim some turf? Why don't you take some communion? Why don't you change the atmosphere? We don't. Listen, there's danger in forgetting the works of God. It was the cross, but if you're saved at 10 and now you're 82, don't you want the power to do something for those other 72 years? I think so. There is power in the blood. There is power in the blood. There's power in that. Are we going to that? Are we believing that? Are we forgetting that? There's power in that, church. Psalm 78 is just a beautiful reminder to his children. Do not forget the works of God. Don't only just don't forget them, but implement them. Do them in remembrance of me. I want your marriage awesome. I died for your marriage. I'm coming back to get your marriage. Get what's in that marriage that's rotten right. And you want to get it right, get me in the middle of it. So take the bread and the juice and come together as one flesh and walk out, not divided, not two people, walk out one, under one. And you keep doing it. And you keep doing it. You say, well, it's just a, it's a trick. It's a ritual act. No, it's not. It's his body and his blood, and it has power today. Don't forget the works of God. Don't forget the works of God. There's danger in forgetting the works of God. Mm. I'm going to ask you to stay in church. You've listened long. I'm going to enter a time of ministry mm. we have worshipped in his presence his word has gone out he says it will not come back void we are left in this moment of being drawn into his presence and hearing his word the responsibility now shifts to the church. We must respond to what he said. See, if you're sitting by your wife, what God said to her through the Spirit is different than what God said to you through the Spirit. But God could say to both of you at the same time, unbeknownst to the other, we need to start doing communion. We need to start doing communion. You'll look at each other and say, we're doing communion. There's power in that power in that so I'm going to pray and I'm simply going to ask the church, us to respond to what the Holy Spirit said that's it for on the other side of obedience it's always blessing let's pray Father this morning Father I simply ask because we've been in your presence and heard your word and your Holy Spirit has spoken that we your 
kids, we respond to you. May we not forget the works of God. Draw every man, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl by your spirit. In Christ's name, amen. Let's worship, church. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the Church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.